Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 84 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, we're digging into how you can use exercise and nutrition to manage perimenopause, including the best type of workouts to arm you against osteoporosis and osteopenia, and how to thrive during menopause. Because here's the thing, if you were born with ovaries, you're going to experience perimenopause in your life. And for 50% of the world, this is the case. And what I learned in talking to our guest today and reading her new book, Menapocalypse, is that this is a process that takes time. When it comes to anything, I am totally a learner, and I imagine if you are still listening to this show, that you also feel empowered by education and knowing how things work so that you feel more well-prepared, and I'm the same way. And so I learned so much about perimenopause, about menopause, about the relationship our hormones have on our ability to work out, on our sleep levels, on our energy levels, on pretty much everything. And so I'm really excited to bring today's guest to you. Her name is Amanda Thebe, and she's a personal trainer with over 20 years of experience in the fitness industry. She is a popular guest on podcasts, online summits, and her health and fitness tips have been featured in outlets like Shape, Prevention, Healthline, and Global News. So she lives in Houston, Texas, and thankfully for the magic of the internet, we are able to come together. And again, if you have ovaries or you live with someone who has ovaries or you know someone who has ovaries, this episode is filled with tangible and practical tools that you can take right now and use to help prepare your body for not only being healthy, but also to set yourself up to be the strongest you have ever been. So enjoy today's episode and conversation with Amanda Thebe. All right. Welcome, Amanda. And I always start with the same question, which is what do you like to get nerdy about? Oh my God, that's a great question. Everything. I'm, a, I'm one of those people that's just overwhelmed with curiosity. So I definitely flip flop as far as my book's concerned. Clearly, I got nerdy about menopause, but as a general whole, I would say I, I'm nerdy about exercise and nutrition equally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your book, Menopocalypse, which for any of our listeners, here's the thing about menopause. If you have ovaries, you're going to go through menopause. It is inevitable. So, and even if you are with someone who has ovaries, they're going to go through it. So you might as well learn about it. I had no clue of the relationship between, you know, fitness and food and nutrition and hormones and exercise. Like there's so much overlap, which also allows you to create some changes, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's one of those like mysterious times of a woman's life because we've never really spoken about it generally in the past. I mean, think about your mother or when she went through menopause, she probably just went through it silently and 
miserably on our own. But Mm -hmm. I think that women now are talking more about it. So there's more information out there. There's also a lot of misinformation out there as well, though, Alex. And I, I get very frustrated. And, you know, when you've got a little bit of knowledge like you and I, when it comes to exercise and nutrition, and, you know, we've invested our time and energy and resources into understanding our body better. And then we read something that just makes you question everything you've ever believed. Well, that's menopause information for you. You know, I I feel as though there's a lot of people talk about menopause and don't have a clue what they're talking about, or they talk about menopause and see vulnerable women desperate for help and just latch onto that in an unethical way is Mm -hmm. how I see. And so going through menopause myself, I got very frustrated with that and just decided to pull information together that was just truthful and just sane and try to simplify things instead of always trying to make things overcomplicated, which is how people (laughs) market at us women in general, Mm -hmm. right? Let's make Mm -hmm. something really complicated and confuse women and then just make them feel as though they're like inadequate or not doing something right. And it's such a terrible marketing message. Mm -hmm. Well, and even, I mean, anytime you go to Google, when it comes to health stuff, like three clicks in and you're like, oh no, I like, I have cancer. Like, oh my God. And I think like, not only is there so much misinformation, but there's not a lot of education, even in the medical realm on what menopause is. Cause I know from reading your story, like you went to a bunch of different places before someone said, oh wait, maybe this might be menopause. Very much so. And that's a very common message from a lot of women. You know, I think about 80% of women will go through menopause and have symptoms that impact their quality of life, meaning that they want help, that they need somebody to sort of recognize these symptoms and say, here's how I can help you. And it may be from a medical perspective. And it's true here in North America that doctors during their training do not receive menopause management training. That's just like how to help a a woman through menopause. And gynecologists who you would expect to be the experts on this area, apparently only 20% of those in their fellowship training go through menopause management. And it's like an opt-in class Mm -hmm. that they take. So we're terribly underserved. And Mm -hmm. so that's why um, there's a lot of misinformation out there because you can just basically say anything and people will go, yeah, I I recognize that in myself and this is what I need to do to, to feel better. And so, mm-hmm. um, but things are changing. I do believe that I'm not trying to put blame on doctors. I just feel like there's always something new and new emerging studies. And so it's very difficult for them to keep up with what's happening. But there's some very valid places you can go to, like the um, North American Menopause Society for one. And you can get resources from there, obviously from my book as well, actually. And you can discuss things with your doctor and they're usually open to listening. And if they're not, then there's actually menopause specialists out there that can help you. Unfortunately for me, when I was going through this, I'm 49 now and I was 42 when I started having perimenopausal symptoms and I spent two years being like on a ping pong table back and forth between different specialists trying to work out what was going on with me. And not once did anybody say these could be because of hormonal changes in your body. Not Mm -hmm. one specialist 
I understand why now, but it's such a huge failing for women. We, I feel like we always have to fight just to get yeah. attention and get medical help. And so, yes, a gynecologist who was very well informed on perimenopause and menopause recognized these symptoms straight away and helped me. And it was uh, such a relief. But, you know, my story is so common, but most women don't get the help they need. It's terrible. Well, even for myself, the beginning of the pandemic, the timing was really great. So I stopped hormonal birth control just because I wanted to get back in touch with like my own biology and realizing that, oh, wow, there's like all of these things happening on a monthly basis um, that are impacting like my hunger levels, how I'm sleeping, and even my workouts. So I can only imagine that during menopause, because there is some irregularity with it because you can go from like, you know, a bunch of uh, periods or a long period and then like nothing for months and months. So how can exercise impact menopause and the symptoms and things like that? And also like, how should we be thinking about like modulating or changing our workouts depending on where we are like in our cycle? That's a great question, Alex. And interestingly enough, going back to your comment about yourself and hormonal birth control pills, we didn't even have that conversation five years ago, six years mm-hmm. ago. Um, I think there's people out there like Dr. Stacey Sims that are, are really opening up the gateway for that type of conversation. And I highly recommend people like follow her because that's what she's basically invested all of her career in studying. But we do know that like our hormonal status impacts our performance level, like you said, and our hunger levels and our sleep levels and all of those things. And when you're going through like normal hormonal cycles, like you hopefully will be. Um, Normal feels so far off right now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I say that sort of like cautiously for sure. And I have, and I'm going to hold my hands up and say, I'm absolutely not an expert in, in that at all. I can just talk generally about it. But what happens is if you have a normal cycle, things become somewhat predictable if you do start looking at how your cycle impacts your hunger, your performance levels, et cetera. So you can tend to plan your training around that. But what happens in perimenopause and perimenopause is the time leading up to menopause. Menopause is when your periods um, stopped for 12 consecutive months. Mm. So the period leading up to that perimenopause can last between eight and 10 years. It can be more, it can be less. Mine was about eight years and it's terribly unpredictable. Um, And I don't just mean from your periods, like the cycle, because some women get a regular cycle and still get horrendous symptoms. Mm -hmm. Some women stop having a cycle or have them intermittently. That was me. You know, I I would maybe have one every three months, then seven months, then have one for 30 days nonstop. Like it was not, it was just not predictable. And I also had bad symptoms. And so what happens in perimenopause is progesterone sort of falls like as though it's going down a slide. It's quite linear, but estrogen fluctuates. It goes up and down and in in sort of like a crazy wave that you you just don't know how you're going to be from one day to the next. It's that unpredictable. Mm. And one of the symptoms that a lot of women struggle with is 
chronic fatigue and just the changing of the the cycle and of the hormones can impact our fatigue levels that we can't sleep off, that we can't mm-hmm. just rest away. And along with that, maybe if a, if a woman is also struggling with some anxiety and depression, which are very common symptoms, mm-hmm. maybe joint pain, migraines, or even on incontinence and weight gain are, are things that definitely impact our performance and how we approach exercise. It just means that you need to have a bit more of a flexible attitude to how your workouts are going to look. And so the question that you asked, like how does exercise and menopause like coincide? How does that work together? It sort of, it depends. (laughs) It depends on where you are in the menopause journey, how you're feeling and what your energy levels are like. And so how I approach this personally and how I write about it in the book is that, you know, have a, have somewhat of a plan. Like, so I'll do an example of myself. Like I like to do strength training about four days a week, about 45 minutes a session, like full body efficient exercises. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't do lower body, upper body splits. It was always like functional body work training. I've done it for years and I love it. And it's, to me, the most intelligent way to work out. So that's what my expectations were for the week. In between that, I would go for a 5K run. And it's probably more than some people do, but you know, I've been, I'm a personal trainer like you. And so I like to do a little bit more and I would maybe do two or three 5K runs and maybe a bike ride. And so what we find in exercises, things like running in particular, have like a breakdown state on the body, a catabolic state, and they can be harder to recover from. So what was happening is on my five or 10K runs, I'd feel a bit sluggish and heavy. And you know, those days when you just don't feel Mm -hmm. great, but that was happening Mm -hmm. more and more. But my recovery was just horrendous. It meant that like the following three and four days, I couldn't exercise. And so it was getting to the point where I was like, running isn't helping me right now. Running's actually going against me. And it's just making me really struggle in my recovery. Didn't matter what Mm -hmm. I ate and how much I sort of like prepared myself, where I found that working out and doing strength training didn't put me in such a catabolic breakdown state. In fact, we know that to be true. We know that it can be a much quicker thing to recover from. And it's also a little bit more beneficial as far as how we build strength and resiliency to move through menopause. So I definitely focused my workouts more on strength training replaced my running with walking sessions just so I just actually got movement in every day because I think Mm -hmm. movement is key for the holistic body you know body mind soul amen yeah amen and then Mm -hmm. and then my workouts I started doing things like fitness snacking I would go you know how do I feel today like let's just do a little check-in and if I really felt exhausted I just didn't do it I just went Mm -hmm. for a walk instead if I felt like I had a moderate amount of energy in this like energy envelope I would look at I'd say you know what I feel like I could do a couple around of something. So I did, but I didn't push myself too hard. And so that's basically was my approach because there were days when I felt brilliant and I could push myself and I did, you know, so I definitely tried to cue into how my body was feeling. And then last of all, I would just say, I then prioritized recovery. And I, I like really pushed that in my book as well. It's okay to stop. It's okay to pull mm-hmm. back and say, 
today is a rest day and I'm going to go for a little walk down to Starbucks, grab a coffee, walk back. That's enough. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. To all of this. And then also I'm like, oh great. I'm so set for perimenopause because I already do all of these things. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. But I'm so important. Yeah, especially for people that maybe follow you and follow me, you know, you tend to attract the more athletic person and they're the people that don't want to stop. They're the people mm-hmm. that think they have to just push through and overcome. And your, your body's cleverer than you, like your body's so much more smarter than you. And if it's saying yeah. it needs to rest, then listen to it, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. stop being a dick and like actually... <laughs> Take time for yourself. It's a really important, for me, it was a really important time of my life to be able to take stock and slow down. And yeah, I, I'm all over that now. I'm all over slowing down, but I'm way more efficient in everything I do now, which is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I think that the functional movement and focusing on like, let me just move my entire body in all the ways and pick up something heavy and put it back down is just like a better use of time. Because then you don't have to, oh, well, today's my lower body day, but oh no, I'm so tired. And so tomorrow, oh, what am I going to do? It just keeps things simple, especially if you are, you know, just like riding the wave of how you feel that day, you know? And how your body works as well as it doesn't work in split parts. I mean, I've worked with athletes. I've worked with the NBA, like I've done high level athletic training. And those guys do need to do split level training. They need to have a different, their upper body needs to work differently to their lower body, you know, because they're like sports specific. Mm -hmm. But for the general population like you and I, it makes much more sense to work the body as a whole entity because that's what it is. I mean, your Mm -hmm. big toe connects all the way up to your opposite ear, like it connects Mm -hmm. in these, you know, fascial chains that... Like you may as well work them because that's how the body works. And often when I'll post exercises on um, Instagram, they're not gimmicky. They're just like really like sensible exercises. And people will go, wow, I never even thought to do that. And I'm like, these are the most simplistic exercises you can do. And they're really effective. And I think that that's my overall message in life. Look for the most effective, simplistic way of getting through something. Right, because we're we're prone to overcomplicate everything, aren't we, in life? And so I'm yeah. all about like pulling it back to what works and what's what's efficient. And you know, I am a strength coach like yourself. You know, it matters that women lift heavy things often. But in menopause, it becomes a little bit more important. And I know you like this part of the book, but, you know, we've come across a couple of studies in the last couple of years that have shown that women who have vasomotor symptoms and their symptoms of thermoregulatory in the body, so hot flashes, cold flashes, night sweats, scientists and researchers don't actually know why it happens yet. They think it's something to do with the amygdala and how it tries to regulate our body's temperature. And there are ways you can treat that through medicine, hormone replacement therapy, and some antidepressants can help reduce those. But some women opt not to do that and don't want to do that. And what these two studies have shown recently is that doesn't matter when you start, you could start at like 32, but you know, some women go through perimenopause starting in their late thirties. If you start strength training then, and even if you start strength training 
when you're post-menopause, like women in their late 50s, 60s, it's been proven that including a resistance training program in your life and maintaining lean body mass, you know, so the difference between muscle and body fat can help reduce these vasomotor symptoms by 70%. Wow. And that's significant. And so hot flashes are one of the most common symptoms of menopause. And like, I've never had them. Maybe it's because I do strength training. I don't know. It's one of the few symptoms I haven't had. But, you know, in my community, women will tell me they have like 20, 30, 40 of these a day. They ruin women's lives. You know, they burn up sweat and get freezing Mm -hmm. cold in the middle of meetings at work. Mm -hmm. and, And it's just miserable. It can stop women from sleeping. You know, they wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep and causes stresses. And we know all of these impact our quality of life. So to me, if you can do one thing and it's strength training to help to at least try, well, then why wouldn't you do it, right? I know, right. It's pretty straightforward. Just pick up something heavy and put it back down and do it in, you know, good form, easy peasy. And I do, (laughs) and I do do a workout plan in the book. There's a 12 week program and it's sort of geared towards doing it at home with just a couple of sets of dumbbells. I know they're really hard to find right now, I know, but but, you know, pick something up heavy, a small (laughs) child, a dog, something like that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And there's a 12 week program in there. And if for those who are a little bit more seasoned, I tell them how to like pimp up the exercises a little bit, but it's just like an entry point for some people. And, you know, recently they announced some statistics on osteoporosis and in in North America, 40,000 women who are usually older, over 60, 65, um, 40,000 women per year will die as a result of breaking a hip. Oh my gosh. And that's, uh, yeah, and because it causes so many um, complications and that's actually more women that die of breast cancer. Because breast cancer is somewhat treatable now. You know, they've advanced so far with breast cancer treatment. Um, And one in two women over the age of 50 will break a bone in their body. And it's because estrogen in our body is a protective factor for our bones. And so, you know, we see osteopenia and osteoporosis um, figures rise um, exponentially after menopause. And so what you can do to sort of like offset that and it can reverse it is strength training. Because mm-hmm. every time you pull the muscle away from the bone, you're creating a stimulus and that stimulus can help bone growth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these are like really practical things you can do. And I'm sure you over the all your other podcasts have talked about the most, um, the beneficial parts for our emotional confidence and um, you know psychological state from strength training yeah I mean if if you're listening right now and you're not convinced or you're not already picking up something heavy like just go back and start again I mean because it's so true it and it's also like you are picking up stuff in your life anyways, whether it's groceries or laundry or kids or pets or whatever. And so strength training gives you an opportunity to practice doing it well and in good form, which will help you not only prevent injury, but here we're hearing like osteoporosis and like death, which seems so like morose, but I mean, it's true. It's so true. There's nothing wrong being factual about things. I mean, I'm not right. trying to make people miserable saying you could die, but I mean, no, I'm just, what, no one's getting out of here alive, right? Let's be honest. We know what we know what our what causes deaths for women 
like in the in the last part of our lives, right? How, mm -hmm. how does this been the biggest killer? Strength mm -hmm. training can help with that, right? Because building mm -hmm. lean muscle can help offset those type of diseases. So, you know, there are, I'm trying to like look to the positives, know. you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I always, I always go to the negative. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, one thing I definitely would love to ask you about, because I recently did an episode about, you know, peeing when you sneeze and incontinence and touched upon, you know, posture and positioning and diaphragmatic breathing and how that's so super important. And I didn't even realize that. And of course, now that there's potentially a hormonal piece of that as well, especially during perimenopause when it comes to incontinence. Yeah. And you know, um, I was thinking about the people that would listen to this podcast and I know you have women that are going through perimenopause listening, but you probably have women going through like postpartum as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we, we understand in postpartum about diastasis and how to correct it. And you correct it by working the four muscles that work together as one unit, which is our diaphragm, our pelvic floor, our TVA, transversus abdominis, like our front abs and our multifidus, our back abs, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the, our back muscles, like those four work in a unit together. And so after postpartum, women are like, now it's the education is so great for post-pregnancy now, right? So women mm -hmm. are trained that way, like really focus on diaphragmatic breath. It helps with the pelvic floor function. It can help you know, correct diastasis. And it's, it's such great information, but that carries through into perimenopause. And I didn't realize this until I started struggling with incontinence myself. And it was pretty interesting because, you know, I'd had children later, like in my late, 30s and never had any incontinence issues at all. You know, I could still jump on the trampoline and, you know, mm -hmm. sneeze without peeing <laughs> and all of those things. And I remember going for this run in Scotland. I have family in Scotland and I was running through the hills and I ran back to the house where my family were in the back garden playing soccer. And my oldest kid said, Have you peed your pants? And I looked down and I was drenched. Ugh. And I was mortified and I was like, what? Oh my God. And I didn't feel it. Didn't, it never happened to me before. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was already in perimenopause. I knew by this stage I was in perimenopause. So I went to see a pelvic health physiotherapist. It was like, I think every woman should just be given one for free, yeah. you know, because we know how beneficial they are for women. Um, they helped me, I would say 60, 70%. Um, I actually was hypertonic. I had too much tension. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. And so I couldn't contract my pelvic floor properly. And so the result of that was I needed to relax more, do my focused breathing, you know, all of the things we already know. Mm -hmm. So that came back around for me. But I sort of still had some like dribbles and stuff and I couldn't work out what was going on. Anyway, obviously my experience and research led me to understand that, you know, reduced estrogen can lead to reduced collagen in your connective tissue, which means that these tissues aren't as elastic as they once were. Like think about right. the, the wrinkles on your face as well. Like it's, it sort of just happens with age, yeah. but it happens like dramatically through menopause. Um, it can also affect the strength and the function of the pelvic floor as a whole. What we see women struggling with are things like vaginal dryness, repeated episodes of urinary tract infections and yeast infections, incontinence and painful sex. I mean, some women even tear when they have sex. It's, it's, mm. a, it's, it's a 
horrible, horrible condition. Um, mm. It's often known as vaginal atrophy, but because the reduced estrogen impacts both the vagina and the urinary tract, medical professionals call it the genitourinary symptom of menopause, which is GSM. It's a big mouthful. That's to say, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And so to me, like the best way to approach this is if you are struggling with incontinence or any issues of dryness, irritation, constant infections, go and see one, a pelvic health physiotherapist for the for the function side of it mm-hmm. but then go and see your doctor or go and see a menopause specialist because you can use a, a localized estrogen cream and this is safe often for many women who've had breast cancer because it stays localized it doesn't get systemic it stays within that region and it can help introduce the integrity back it puts the ph level back to where it should be so infection should die down and it almost like plumps it back up it sounds terrible i'm doing like a pillow in my hand you know um and but the thing is though when you have vaginal atrophy and you've you've experienced it it's one of those symptoms that will not ever go away. You will have that condition for the rest of your life. And so you need to manage it. So don't, Mm -hmm. please don't ignore it. Please don't think, oh, I'm peeing my pants a little bit. I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. Or that it's totally normal. Yeah, it's normal. Or I'm too embarrassed to talk to my doctor about it. Maybe it will get better. I'm telling you, it won't. And also what the experts think, they do believe that nearly all women will experience this mm. to some extent. Some women, you know, it gets a lot, a lot worse. Some women, it's, it is just an inconvenience, but there are things you can actively and proactively do to make sure it, it doesn't ruin your life because it can. Yeah. Well, and I think the important thing too is education, educating yourself, um, not only about like what can be happening in your body, but then also paying attention to the signs and like keeping tracks. I know you talked about in the book of like keeping tabs on like what things were going so that you're empowered when you do go to the doctor, because the things that you've been trying on your own aren't working, you have data. You can say, hey, you know, this is what I've been feeling. This is what I've been trying. This is what I've been doing. Um, You know, here's the tracking of my cycles, which gives them more information to actually collaborate with you rather than just trying to figure out what's going on in a 10 minute conversation. You know, you call yourself a nerd and like I totally am a nerd and I'm one of these people that records everything. It's actually ridiculous, but I love it. I just find it just really useful to, you know, Mm -hmm. look back where I was and and see what my experience was. And so in the book, I do recommend women do a menopause tracker. And the reason is, is that when you go to your doctor, often menopause symptoms come and go and fluctuate. And also sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what that symptom is. And so when you go to the doctor, you usually go with one thing. It might be like, I think I'm depressed. And so the doctor's likely to treat you for depression. But if you go in with four or five different symptoms that you've experienced over the last six months, and you look at that as a whole, then it will be an indication that this is hormonal and it can be treated as a hormonal 
problem and not as a cognitive disorder. And so I think that it's really helpful to have data to go to the doctor. Now, I actually don't recommend that you go with like a book, a notebook full. I try and encourage women to summarize it and just say over the last six months, I've had continual episodes of depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. incontinence, fatigue, you know, uh, migraines or whatever your symptoms are. They were just mine actually. Um, And then um, also to encourage women to go in and advocate for themselves and say, you know, this is what the current guidelines tell us about how you should treat me. Because I personally went to my doctor for hormone replacement therapy and hormone replacement therapy is like a micro dose of what you would take if you were taking a birth control pill, Mm -hmm. maybe 10 times less of the dosage. And it seems to just stabilize the situation and it can be a a game changer for women. So if that's something you want and you go to your doctor, but he says no, then that can be like a horrific experience. And women sometimes struggle to advocate for themselves when they're in a very low place. You know, I cry every time I go to the doctor, so I get it, you know, like it's like, Mm -hmm. so if you go armed with a conglomerate of all of your symptoms, asking for the treatment that you want and telling them what the current treatment availability is, because I provide that in, in the book then you're likely to have a more successful visit. And then if the doctor says no, then you say, well, then please refer me to a menopause specialist. Mm-hmm. And, and get a referral. Don't suffer. There's no point. There's no need to suffer because quite often the symptoms uh, can ruin a woman's life, but the treatment's quite simple. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Advocating for yourself, asking for, you know, specialists. And also you can always change doctors. <laughs> I think sometimes we forget that. Like you, there's usually, you know, more people in the office or perhaps another office in town. Like there's more than one person. They're not the be all end all. Exactly. And I've said they don't, they don't always have the education. Some doctors are open to learning. And I went to my doctor he reluctantly prescribed me an estrogen. But if you have a uterus, you have to have a progesterone with it because it protects the the uterus from uterine cancer. So I said to him, I need a progesterone with this. And he went, no, you don't. And I went, well, I do because it would be malpractice for you not to give me. And I don't care. Like I'm, I'm gobby anyway. And I was like, you have to do this. And he was offended by me. And he just said, okay, I'm going to look into this and get back to you. And we have an email system in our doctors. And he wrote me this massive email and it was an apology. And it basically said, I didn't know. Thank you for educating me. I'll now, I know I like this information wasn't available to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes you can have good outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Now tell us more about Menapocalypse and your book and how everybody needs to go buy it right now. (laughs) Right. So everybody needs to go and buy it right now. (laughs) I wrote this book because I was frustrated with a lack of information out there. I found that the information was either too medical Mm -hmm. or there was too many research studies that I just couldn't absorb because of the cognitive impairment that I was struggling with through perimenopause. Or I would, the only other books I could find were like these flippant, annoying, like overly funny books that just almost minimized it. Yeah. Or, or even even had the attitude of like, this is a time to evolve and float through the cornfields in a white floaty dress. And I was like, screw you. Like, what do I need to do? Like, just tell me what I need to do. And so I'd, I'd started writing and I'd had a body of work from published articles and I just pulled it all together. I then 
like reached out to experts. Like I, there's only so much information I could give. So I reached mm-hmm. out to like medical experts and psychologists and, you know, di- registered dietitians who were in my sort of like network and pulled together this really concise book that talks about my experience. It talks about the most common symptoms and sort of like barriers that we come up against, including like things that happen in our lifetime, like the squeeze generation, like divorce Mm. and kids leaving home, all of those things. And then the second part of the book is all solution-based because you don't want to hear me whinging and moaning about everything. You actually want solutions. So the second part of the book is broken down into four hacks, menopause hacks, I call them. And it's like a little toolkit that I want you to build for yourself that's focused around like educating yourself around food, like how to eat and why you should eat certain foods and how it will support your body and then how to move, which we've spent a lot of time talking about. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is about stress management and sleep, huge factors that are often dismissed through you know, menopause, we have to focus in on those. And then the last chapter is actually one of my favorites. And it probably sounds a bit like woo woo, but it's, I wrote it with a psychologist and it's all about like forging forward into the second part of our life, which or third part of our lives, depending on how how long we sort of stay alive with Mm -hmm. resiliency and strength. And you do that by focusing on values, things that you value in life that keep you on the right path and harnessing your strengths. And I show you how to identify those and embrace them. And it that's been a like complete game changer for me. And I, I like love coming back to that and knowing that I'm in a privileged position that I'm now able to age resiliently and strong. And I want other women to feel the same way too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally went and took the values quiz that you recommended Isn't too. It fantastic. Yeah. Well, because I think, you know, it's so easy to feel too like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm working and I'm just like serving my family or I'm just like, I just, I don't know, like, what am I doing here? Like, what does it even matter? And I think that being able to dial back into like, what are your values and almost using those as like a litmus test of like, do I want to do this? Yes or no? Does it align? It just makes decisions so much easier, I think. That's right. And and, and it's interesting just to clarify that values are not goals. And so when I, when I talk mm-hmm. about values, people think, oh, it's like, you know, a place I want to get to. It's not. Values are like how you live your life and how you match your life to your values. Like, for example, mine is family, friendship and work ethic. They were sort of the things that came up for me. And then the strengths are like your body's characteristics. And I thought I know what mine's going to be. And my top strength came out as curiosity. And I just thought that's a strange Same. one. <laughs> but but it actually just means taking an interest in an ongoing going experience that you find fascinating, that you want to explore and discover a little bit more. And yeah, that's exactly what we have been talking about, right? It's mm-hmm. the first question you asked me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's really yeah. interesting because now I get why I go down these bloody rabbit holes all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, it all makes so much more sense. And then also I can tell too, if I'm out of alignment with those strengths or values, bringing myself back to that allows everything to just feel like it's in so much more harmony. It's common. It's so common. Yeah, you're correct. Anyway, so the book encompasses all that together and I encourage you to just do little snapshots of it. I don't want you to do everything I say. I just want you to, you know, see what resonates with you and try and apply that to your life. 
Yeah. And the book comes out October 18th, which happens to be World Menopause Day too, which is pretty cool. Did you plan for that or did it just work out that way? Well, who knew there was a World Menopause Day? I mean, I know, not me. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was due to come out on October the 20th and then I realized it was October the 18th. So the publisher, you know, jumped on the opportunity. But yeah, so um, it comes out October 18th. I highly recommend this book for obviously women who are going through perimenopause. It's really hard for me to push it to women who aren't going through it yet because it doesn't seem tangible but I do Mm -hmm. believe it's really good if you can to plan ahead I think it's a great book for personal trainers especially male personal trainers Mm -hmm. and I've had a bunch of them review it and they love it they've said it really helps them understand their menopausal clients which let's face it is the bulk and the lion's share of most gyms um, women in their 40s and 50s Mm -hmm. and then I also think everyone's husband or partner should read it I really do. My husband just has found it just like so helpful, you know, because our relationships matter. Yeah. Well, and then it just, it makes more sense, I think, for them to understand that like what's going on and that it's not just you, but it is truly your hormones, you know? Yeah. Oh, it was me as well. I mean, it was an opportunity for me to be a, a total, total bitch, yeah. but you know, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sometimes, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I know I have like a bajillion more questions, so hopefully um, I'll just keep stalking you on the internet. Speaking of which, where can people come and find you, grab the book, stay in contact and all of that? Yeah, so I'll just send you to one place, my website, and you can sort of direct yourself to my Instagram, Facebook page. I have a menopause community, which is a just a community. There's like no sales, nothing in there at all. Mm. There's a link that takes you to all the places that you can buy my book. I recommend you buy local if that's possible. Mm-hmm. My website is fitandchips.com, which is F-I-T-N-C-H-I-P-S, fitandchips.com, and you can find everything there. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me on, Alex. I've loved it. And of course, if there's ever any sort of like overwhelming questions and you feel the need to reach out to me, then by all means, do so. Oh, yeah. I'll slide into your DMs. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I told you that this was going to be so super awesome. And I know I walked away from this conversation and having read her book, feeling just like, oh, okay, I got this. I got the information now. So hopefully you two have a jumping off point, a place to start. Go follow Amanda on social. On Instagram, she's at amanda.thebe, T-H-E-B-E. And then of course her website, fitinchips.com, which she mentioned in the episode. So I'll post all of that into the show description so you can go and find that. And I wanna hear from you. Tag us on social. Let us know what was the most helpful or impactful part of today's conversation that got you to go, Oh, okay. Okay. Right. You know, when we know something new, then we can do something different or better because we know. So hit us up on social. You know, you can find me over on Instagram. I'm at Hala Famala, or you can even leave a quick little voice message on the Body Nerd hotline at 818-396-6501. Now, don't forget that show notes, fun links, free downloads, the Body Nerds group, and all things live over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen today. I super, super appreciate you. And to be honest, I literally couldn't do this without you. So thank you. And I hope that you got some fun movement in today as you were listening, or maybe you got something planned for later. 
Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss anything in the future. You can even head on over to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review, which really super helps the show. And in fact, I am trying to get to a hundred reviews before the end of this year. So please, 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 I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and Apple Podcasts and leave a review, please and thank you. Not only does it let the uh, algorithm robots know, but it helps other body nerds find the show to. Or you can also just share today's episode with somebody who needs to hear this information. Share it with your mom. Share it with your friend. Just share it with someone who needs some help just really thriving during this time of life that, again, we're all going to go through. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, thriving during perimenopause, and getting nerdy. And thank you, my friend, for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and you can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.